it, it's nothing that theater people haven't been saying forever, but like making the impossible possible and trying to take a, a far out idea and make it real. And, and that's, that's the challenge and that's the fun of it. For me, the end user is the, the roadie, the person that is touching the gear every single day. Get making Taylor Swift stage, all things like that, whatever it may be, it's, it's very exciting all around. Hello and welcome to the Theater Art Life podcast, sponsored by ClearCom, the leader in voice communications for theater and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of ClearCom Intercom Solutions. The Theater Art Life podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators and the backstage masters. My name is Kat Landry. And my name is Anna Robb. Today we're talking with Drew Himmelrich from Tate. Drew is a young professional in the concert touring and live event industry. Drew has been a mechanical design engineer at Tate for four years and has recently moved to their integration team. His passion for technical theatre work first showed itself as he set stages as a little kid in his kindergarten classroom and has continued and grown. Drew went to Carnegie Mellon to study production technology and management and has been loving professional life since graduating in 2018. Drew, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. Happy to be here. It's amazing. So you studied production technology and management at Carnegie Mellon. For those who work internationally, tell us a little bit about that course and what it offers and why you chose that. So that is a conservatory-based theater program. We have a few different divisions, like within the within the School of Drama. There's obviously like the musical theater and the acting side, but then on the technical side, you come in sort of just as a, a general, hey, I know that I, I like technical theater and I want to be doing this type of thing. And then um, over the course of um, the first two years, you kind of figure out where more specifically you are focused and where you want to focus, whether it's on the design side, the scenic design side, the lighting design side, or more on the, the technical side, whether it's sort of uh, lighting management or stage management or production management, or for me, technical direction and more on the uh, the managing and engineering side of scenery and automation and things like that. So that program, uh, as I was saying, is a conservatory program. So it's a pretty intensive program where most of your time is spent doing that. I definitely strove to have a, a social life outside of the school of drama, and but it, it's pretty easy to just like just be work all the time. But graduating with a, a, a BFA, if that helps <laughs> anywhere, and uh, just having a lot of experience really diving into what, what you're doing and diving into um, the studies. And does that course have a lot of automation um, integrated into that course? Because a lot of universities don't have access to automation, right? Yeah, so so we do. We have actually legacy gear from Tate. So things that before uh, sort of sort of through Tate acquiring um, Fisher Technical Services a, a while back, um, CMU got some gear from Tate and is able to use that and still is supported. And so we have some gear from there getting some more stuff and that experience and, and using that stuff was really valuable. But uh, we have a professor that likes to clarify the difference between sort of machine design and automation. And while the program doesn't focus and doesn't, we don't really, at least while I was there, didn't really focus on the automation side and how to make machines do the things that the control system tells them to do. Um, we definitely did focus and, and, and work a lot in machine design. So 
everything from, and I, I never remember, I never, everyone sort of talks about it differently, but what upstream is, what downstream is, but um, everything downstream of the motor. So specking a motor, specking gearbox, brakes, all that type of thing. Things we definitely learned about and talked about. And then the experience using the control software and the automation system was more production-based when we had that opportunity. So fun fact, Drew and I were in the same graduating class at Carnegie Mellon, and Carnegie Mellon operates on a regional theater model. And so everything that we do is based on being a season uh, at a regional theater. Drew, what has the transition been like out of traditional regional theater style um, and into concert touring? That is a fun fact, Kat. Uh, I have known you for quite some time. Happy to be talking to you. The The transition was definitely natural, but it was clear that there there was a difference. The production office, as, as maybe we'll call it PTM, the Production Technology Management Office at CMU, where all the, the technical direction students sort of work out of, um, operates similarly to a commercial scene shop but it definitely has to fit into that regional theater setup that the the rest of the production department uses where in school we had sort of project managers and we had people that were more on the design the engineering side and we had people who were in charge of building um so sort of that delegation of tasks has is something that I'm I was used to in school and is something that is very present in the commercial scene shop and and scenery and automation industry where it's not the re- it's not necessarily the re- the regional where you the technical director gets a a drawing and then has to do the engineering for it or, or the the mechanical design and the the build drawings and then build it and then install it and then help paint it and all that. So granted, on the scale of the regional theater, you might be doing that differently, but it definitely prepared me for having to sort of select the specific industry within the industry within the industry that I wanted to be in. So. Um, even within Tate, we have different departments. We have our project management department. We have our business development department. We have our fabrication, integration, all the, all the different areas that are things that maybe at a regional theater, one person might do, but at a large enough company, it's all split up. So the experience working in sort of that regional mindset definitely prepared me to do any number of things. Um, but then the the way that CMU breaks out the program definitely made me realize early on than then uh, earlier on than maybe I would have otherwise that at some point you can't do everything at a specific size and you have to kind of pick and choose um, and maybe switch. And so what was your path to working for Tate and, and, and taking that focus from, from your studies? Yeah. So I, I, through school, I interned. I knew that I wanted to get a regional theater internship type of thing and a commercial theater in, uh, internship. So the summer after my sophomore year, I interned at Barrington Stage Company in the Berkshires as a as a carpenter. Got experience working in regional theater there, and and really did enjoy it. And then junior year, I actually studied abroad, which is pretty unique for someone in, in the program that I was in, and luckily got an internship at Tate Stage Technologies in the UK, which was in like a three, four year period between being acquired by Tate and being totally called Tate. So it was still sort of Tate Stage Technologies. So I I was an intern there, which was an incredible experience. And then 
I worked at Hudson Scenic the following summer. And between those two experiences working at Stage Tech and Hudson, I realized that I did really like the commercial industry. There are definitely things to this day that I miss about sort of more the, the traditional theater world. But there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in, in commercial um, scenery and automation and, and machine design that um, is hard to get at a smaller regional theater. I still, again, I'm, there are a lot of lots of parts that I miss, um, but I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, and so sort of just seeing those different experiences, comparing them, I was able to get a job at Tate. Uh, I was in the mechanical design and engineering department for the past four years. Really enjoyed my time working on some really cool shows, really cool projects. And then in the past month, I've actually moved into our integration department, which is more of the sort of the last the last step of the, the tape process where we pass the gear off to the, the touring crew or we'd install it in uh, whatever permanent installation we might be doing. And uh, I'm excited to get more experience and to sort of really be boots on the ground dealing with the gear and, and, and being that final step. Um, but yeah, through college, I kind of knew where my head was and sort of what I was what I wanted to do long-term and, and at least uh, right out of school and happy to be exploring different opportunities as that comes up. Could you tell us a little bit more in detail about um, the two different teams that you've worked on in at Tate and what exactly is your role within those teams? So sort of, I was, I was saying earlier within Tate, the entire company of Tate might do the job that a technical director does at a, at a regional theater. So the the design department where I was, um, we're not doing the aesthetic design, but essentially a, someone might call, say, hey, we want to do this massive show. And they'll give us the concept and uh, sketches and drawings and, and all these things of how they want to do it. And then between a few different departments, we sort of figure out how Tate is going to do that show. We have a pretty pretty standard staging system. We have a standard for us at least a pretty standard staging system um, and we sort of know the way that we do different things and so we try to fit whatever the aesthetic design is and and we make that into we put that into sort of the tate language holding true to whatever it is that that we're trying to hit and and then the mechanical design and engineering department is more specifically when we have those custom elements when we have those larger bits and bobs figuring out how we're going to actually design those and how we're going to build those and creating the the drawings for those again same professor that i i mentioned before but he likes to say that we're not capital e engineers we being sort of people that haven't been to engineering school but are are caught up in this world um, we're not capital e engineers but we engineer so a lot of what i'm doing is there is a decent amount of math a lot of powertrain uh, calculations, structural analysis, things like that. We also have actual capital E engineers that that check all our work and verify that we're I'm, not crazy. I'm glad that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so am I. So am I very much so. But it, it, it is sort of that nitty gritty. It's anywhere from broad to the nitty gritty of like, what size bolt are we using here to as broad as like, how are we going to make this machine work? Recently, I was working on a, on a project for like a, a slip stage sunroof type thing. And from very from very early on, it was just figuring out how we're going to do it. We know what the effect needs to look like. We have our design parameters. Big picture. How are we going to start? And big 
like starting big picture. I was cutting up index cards on my desk, trying to sort of figure out the mechanism all the way down to today, having conversations about, oh, okay, like our third party engineer says this one area is overstressed. Like, how can we slightly adjust what we're doing to to fit our standards? And so that the mechanical engineering side is is, is very much about upfront, how are we going to build it? And then the integration side is taking that and then actually making it work. I'm in a pretty unique situation right now where I'm I'm able to be the designer on a project, but also um, help integrate it. And I'm very much looking forward to that. But but in this situation, but also in, in many other situations, you have totally separate teams working on it. So when it gets to integration, you realize, oh, you know what? This thing that we thought was a great idea actually doesn't really work. And sort of figuring out how to make that work, tracking parts through the shop, making sure that everything is um, getting out the door on time. And we know that it works. We never send anything out that hasn't already been tested um, and hasn't been verified that like, yeah, this thing is this thing is going to work. And when we get to site, we'll, we'll be good. There, there's someone at, at, at CMU, so sorry to keep, keep, keep quoting uh, professors and whatnot, but who says, like, I think it's the most expensive six words and entertainment is, we'll fix it at the venue. Yeah, yeah. that was six words. I was just verifying. Um, <laughs> because that, 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 that is true. Like, if, if we send something out, it's like, oh, it's, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll fix it when we get there. You might, but it's going to take 10 times longer. So we, we like to make sure everything is sort of tested and verified and, and right before we go. And that is a, a big part of the core of what the integration team does is make sure that, yeah, it, it, the, the, the classic line that we say, like, it worked in CAD. Yeah, it might have worked in CAD, but let's make sure that it actually works. That's a great nugget of wisdom. You don't want to have 300 people waiting in a venue while you're trying to fix it instead <laughs> of uh, vetting that in the workshop. Being there. A question in terms of, and for those who, people who may not know Tate well, when we talk about the projects that you're doing, is it predominantly uh, concert touring or large-scale events? Is there permanent installations involved in that? And, and what's sort of the, in your particular, in, when, in say, the last four years, what percentage has been concert tour? Oh, it's probably a bad example because the pandemic happened. There probably wasn't a lot of concert touring. But what's the sort of <laughs> no, normal um, percentage of type of projects that you're working on in, in your division? In, across the genre of entertainment yeah uh so tate very much has its roots in concert touring our our founder michael tate got into the industry through concert touring and started the company through concert touring through found a need and 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 filled filled the need and we were we were that for a while and then we realized that yeah our skill set and the things that we're doing are very applicable to the um, permanent install world um whether it be theme parks or just themed environments wherever it may be um, things that need automation things that need scenic elements i would say these days it's 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 tough to say but our u.s office our north america offices i would say are primarily focused on um concert touring we do a lot of permanent install but a lot of those are longer-term projects so our mechanical design department at least where my my world for the past four years has been primarily concert touring I've, I've definitely done a few permanent installs when i first started we work on a big permanent install but most of what we do in in our world is concert touring now that's not to say that the person that sits 10 feet away from me has been working on permanent installs for 
the past five years. So it, it definitely is, is who you pick, but those again are longer term projects. And so it's it's usually a smaller team that is focused on that. It, actually, I should say in the integration, it's a, it's a little different just because we have, because of the longer term projects, there are, it is more obvious because people are away in a, a far off land for two years on end, just installing this permanent install thing, because that's just how long it takes. And that that's very obvious when, when sort of on the integration side that PI is still a very big part and is has always been and is growing as a big part of our industry. Can you tell us about some of the specific interesting projects that Tate might have worked on? Not just really talk about anything we're working on in the past, it, it, right now, but in in the past, um, a lot of stuff that we we've, we've done. We we like to say that we're we're dealing with um sort of a really high level of of concert touring for the on the touring side on the pi side we work with a lot of big theme parks and things like that but on the on the touring side um we work with like the the taylor swifts and the bon jovis and lady gaga and and all things like that beyonce any any really big tour is possibly a tate show we have a pretty good system down for for building stages and for how we produce stages and how we produce automation and um a big part of that is also our Automation system navigator is a, a huge part, a, a huge selling point for us because it is this sort of industry standard as like the go-to automation system for entertainment industry and is seen in all throughout the world, literally all throughout the world. People are using navigator to control their their live shows, their live events, and so we have a pretty big, a, a pretty good grasp on on things like that. On whether again whether it's a permanent install at a theme park or it's Taylor Swift or it's pink flying through the air, um, powered by Navigator, powered by Tate, built by Tate. <laughs> so what is kind of the creative collaboration process with those teams, with the artists and their creative teams? What does that look like? What's the collaboration like with Tate? There is definitely a lot of collaboration, I would say. And, and a lot of that happens in a department before mechanical design so we have this other department called project development where um someone might come in and and you'll will get anything from a very clearly drafted stage with drafted exactly where everything goes to the inch and then we're like all right that's what we're gonna do but if it's like they want a stage that's 80 feet wide two inches like like two and a half inches like well we keep things in increments of six. That's just sort of how the Tate decking system works. Uh, it's like, we're going to keep it within that. And then it's just going to make everyone happier. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be whatever it may be. And then it's it's sort of back and forth. So it's taking that. So it's taking the exact thing that, that they might have and putting in the Tate language. Or we might get something that is, we want it to feel like a cloud, but a little stiffer. And then also we have a, we have a department within Tate that's like, all right, taking that and actually making um making something more tangible from that and then uh, just dealing with the design team dealing with the we, we rarely deal with the deal with the artist directly there might be situations where the artist or the talent um has a lot of input and that's often the case that they have a lot of input um but typically we're dealing with more of a the production manager or the the designer whoever design assistants or whatnot that, that are the ones that are more the liaison between Tate and the the artistic vision. I want to be in the cloud department. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> make this a reality, please. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and that, that is a big part. I mean, it, it's nothing that theater people haven't been saying forever, but like making the impossible possible and trying to take a, a far out idea and make it real. And, and yeah. that's, that's the challenge and that's the fun of it. And now a note from our sponsor. The Theater Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by ClearCom. ClearCom is the leader in voice communication since 1968 for theater and the performing arts. When the show must go on, ClearCom is there to keep the team on cue. You can find them at C-L-E-A-R-C-O-M.com. Go check them out. On the back of that, you know, having been in this for four years, in the, in, is there, what exciting developments in the world of automation are coming that might influence the entertainment industry? What, what, what's more possible with uh, what's happening? Because, you know, historically, actually, automation is still relatively new in the last, you know, 20, 25 years. It's not like this has been happening forever. So tell us, is there stuff that's more that, 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 is, that you're excited about that's coming down the pipeline in automation? That is a good question. So it's hard to say. At the core of it, I mean, automation is... Um, at least sort of standard theatrical or concert automation is there is a machine and it's turned on to a specific speed by a control software and you have all the safety features and and everything like that. But it is a a pretty complex system, but at its bare bones is like there, we, we don't deal with um, sort of autonomy much. If there is autonomy, it is, based off of specific guides so it's still kind of automation and actually gotten in let's say arguments but disagreements with friends about what's the difference between like automation and robotics but i would say say i don't really know what might be coming down the pipeline in in terms of control software making things more user-friendly is definitely something that uh, tate is pushing for and I think the, the industry as a whole is pushing for um, when it first started and you had sort of PLCs and, and logic boards and whatever it may be like, you really needed to know exactly what was going on and you needed to take a lot of time to learn how to code and how to program all of this. And the user in a f- interface on a, like an industrial automation system is um, unless you've been doing it for a while, it's going to be hard. But um, like when you open an ETC uh, lighting console, sort of like what you might find in a in a high school or or, or whatnot. Um, you can look at it and you can kind of figure out what's going on. Like it's it's just a nice user interface and you can figure it out. And so um, Tate and the industry as a whole is definitely trying to move towards being more user friendly, making things more accessible, so that you don't need intensive training, you don't need a crazy intense skill set to be able to help program and and commission things that that you might find in a concert. Now, with that said, you can't kill anyone with a light. I mean, you could probably, I'm sure there are ways, but if you turn the light on at the wrong intensity or you turn the light off by accident, it might be embarrassing, it might look wrong, but you're not going to kill anyone, you're not going to hurt anyone. And so it is definitely important that as user-friendly as we might be making automation and we might be uh, as accessible as we might be making it, it's still really important to make sure that anyone that is operating it and anyone that is working with it knows 
what's going on and really has a, a firm and, and strong understanding of um, the implications of everything you're doing. Yeah. Just because you uh, can fly a person six meters a second doesn't mean you should. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be done safely. exactly and i mean enough and, and acceleration to be honest, and deceleration to, to yes. make sure they don't yeah, yeah, the yeah. Floor in, a, in, a, in a horrible way <laughs> exactly and and i mean that is definitely a thing that is um something to think about is as technology is improving not necessarily in the it, it affects us but we're not necessarily the ones pushing that innovation but as motors are getting stronger and faster and higher torque in smaller packages and um, brakes are, are uh, whatever it may be as things are advancing and can do bigger, faster things. We need to make sure that like, yeah, there's still limits to what we should be doing. 20 years ago, we might not have been flying someone 60 feet per second across a stadium because we couldn't or because it would take too much to do that, but we can do that. And just being careful about whether whether we will or or won't is is definitely the the question that we need to keep focusing on. But having been on the receiving end of that for many years, I think that you know actually the execution and uh, capability of all of that equipment really relies on the ability of the programmers and the people around the programmers to the stage managers and the artists and that to be able to operate that and create that responsibly. And I think that's where there's, uh, you know, you guys may know your equipment back to front, but when it's in the hands of the user, there's there's still, it's still very, very green on that front end of people being able to manage those systems um, safely and, you know. Yeah, manage, uh, troubleshoot, it, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And so that 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 end user capability is where the upskilling really needs to be, I, I think, in the yeah. industry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How much of that integration process is spent with the end user, or the operator, if any? Yeah, a, a a pretty good amount. It very much depends on the show and the size of the show. Very often, the end user, um, and everyone at Tate sort of thinks of it differently. But from the, it's still easiest to talk about it as the mechanical design side because that's what I've had the most experience in. But from the mechanical design side, the um, for me, the end user is the the roadie the person that is touching the gear every single day. Like if we're, if we're designing something for a pop star, like they don't, they don't care if, if the corners are rounded over or if the thing goes together easily, or if it's one pin uh, is, is the, it's you're using the, the same pin everywhere in the entire show, or if it's like 20 different pins that you have to keep sorted, like they don't care, but the roadie does. So for me, that's the client. And, and a big part of what we do is making sure that, they know how the gear goes together. Um, oftentimes, a, a tour will have the well, well, always the tour will have the road crew that is traveling with the show, um, which uh, and it's our responsibility to, to train them and and to train how to build the stage, how to build, how to hang the curtains, how to hang the LED wall, whatever it may be. But then also, yeah, how to train and how to troubleshoot the automation system. And that's a huge part of it, and, and a lot of that happens either in in Lidditz, where we, if the show is in Rock Lidditz or if the show is in our shop or if we go somewhere else for a rehearsal, sending our integration team and making sure that our integration team is there until we're, we're ready to pass it off fully. Yeah, I would, say, I would say that's a big part. Probably the most important part of integration is making sure that we are setting the next step of the process up for success. 
Well, that definitely explains the number of teams within your division. Yes. <laughs> so, Drew, having worked at Tate through the pandemic, could you tell us a little bit about how that may have changed the way that you work or your processes? Um, what are things like coming out of the pandemic? And do you feel like you're getting back to normal, whatever that is? So, yeah, for context, I was furloughed for about 10 months or so during the pandemic, starting around March 2020, as as uh, a lot of us in the industry um, are aware of. So those 10 months, yeah, it was definitely hard. definitely uh, had to find other things to do. But then coming back to it, it definitely started off slow. Um, I was very fortunate to be brought back. I was very fortunate that um, Tate was incredibly supportive through the furlough and communicated often and appropriately about how things were going and what we needed to know about when, when things might be kicking back on. Um, and then when we came back, it was a lot of things that were setting ourselves up for success. So whether it was internal initiatives that we were working on, uh, some local projects we were working on to help in the community, and then dealing with some smaller shows. So I was actually, I, I was working on some, some stuff for our, our first show for the Black Crows that went out. Um, that was our, our first show post-pandemic. Um, and then working on some other smaller shows. We had a lot of shows that relied a lot on our assets because a big part of um, our the way we operate is if we build a machine and we like it and it works, we just, once it comes back from tour, we keep it and we rent it out on the next show because it, it's tried and true and we can puzzle piece a lot of things together. So we, we did that for a while and we had a lot of smaller shows and we had a lot of things that were in really tight timelines because no one wanted to... Um, no one to say, yeah, I'm going on tour for the next two years when who knows it, there might be an uptick in, in COVID in the next week. Um, so things were a lot shorter term and smaller, but I would say in the past three, four months, things have really started to, to pick up and we've started seeing, um, and it's probably even been more than four months, but we've started to see bigger shows, more commitment early on, more willingness to, have custom gear, which is just um, a year or two ago was a, a major risk. Mm. The confidence is back. Yes, confidence is definitely back. It's tough to say whether, I mean, I mean we, we say that we are back where we were in 2019, and it feels like that, and it, it honestly feels like we are even getting beyond that because we're hiring a lot of really nice new talent developing new new employees and, and things like that that were, were sort of um, able to expand more and able to do more and, and understand that yeah there's also more than just producing shows that um are we've we have a whole team that's now just focused on on culture and inclusivity and, and just making sure that um while we are creating these moments that move people as we say that we are also making sure that the the people are it's not just the audience members it's not just the roadies it's also the internal team and um that's always been a really strong focus and it's it's nice to see that that we're keeping that and expanding on that that focus of building the team anybody that's trying to get into the industry or the sector that you're working in in terms of you know automation systems and mechanical engineering and and stuff what would be your advice to somebody who is younger than you to get into that what's the roadmap i actually i would say there isn't there isn't a roadmap um we hire tate specifically hires theater people people from 
engineering schools, people from straight from high school, people from industrial design, people from aerospace design, um, whatever it may be. Um, the biggest thing is, is the passion. Um, we always say we can teach someone how to, you can teach someone how to weld. You can teach someone how to draft. You can teach someone, um, how to assemble a, a Tate stage and how to, um, move coffin locks in a Tate stage and all things like that. What you can't teach is the passion and the drive and the sort of that, that mindset of the show's got to load out a certain date. The show opens at a certain date and we have to make sure that happens no matter what. That's the type of thing that is, is hardest to find and hardest to teach. Um, and so while there isn't really a roadmap, I would say the best thing that anyone can do is, is to reach out to find, find someone who, who works somewhere that, that you might want to work and, and talk to them and, hear what they have to say, hear how their experience is and see if you can like get a tour of a shop. That's, that's my favorite thing. I was, um, it didn't lead to any jobs, but I, I guess I wasn't really looking for it at the time. But one of, one of my, my favorite stories is when I was studying abroad in the UK, um, tickets to see West End shows are way cheaper than they are to see Broadway shows. And so I would go see a decent amount of West End shows and, when the show ended, I would walk up to the sound operator and the sound engineer and the sound mixer. And I would say, hi, I'm Drew. I'm studying abroad here. I'm working at stage tech for the semester. Um, do you have the email address of the automation operator? Like I would love to come shadow at some point. And not a single time did someone say, uh, no, like absolutely not. <laughs> If, if like imagine if you were if you were standing there and you had you're wearing all black and you're wearing your headset and some kid comes up to you and it's like hey I like what you do like can I see more of it of course you're gonna want to do that so um, I would say definitely advocate for yourself whenever possible um, go seek out that op those opportunities um, I went to see a search show while I was in in the UK too and I was walking while well, walking in and there were these two guys out back wearing all black they had radios on their belts they were smoking cigarettes and i was like these guys are stagehands i walked up to them and at the end of the night i got a tour of of backstage at amaluna and it was just an incredible experience and i got these contacts and um i would say whenever possible yeah network for yourself advocate for yourself you are yeah you're your best advocate absolutely I love that. And I think that, I mean, it's great. It's great advice. And I think also that what's lovely about our industry is most people, uh, especially in the theatre industry, are very generous about, you know, sharing. If it's an in-person, of course, you're not just letting everybody backstage and having a tour, but if they understand that you want to understand their craft and, and that there's, exactly. there's, a, there's, a, there's a lovely community of people that are very generous about sharing their, their work and their life. And I love that about our industry. I think that's yeah, and, and, and it's a good way to capitalise on that if you're trying to get into it. There's a lot of good intention people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. I mean, we always say it's a, it's a, it's a big industry, but it's also it's a really small industry. And meeting other people from the industry is always incredibly exciting, and especially when it's, when it's random and, and you have someone that's really eager. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So, Drew, we always end every podcast with two questions. 
Uh, the first question is, what do you like the most about your job or the industry as a whole? Ooh, all right. Let's think. Let's think. I think the thing that I like most about my job is it's still really exciting. There are definitely times that it's mundane. There are definitely times with any job that you're like, ugh, this again, or um, uh, when when you're peeling stickers off from the last show and like, yeah, nobody wants to be doing that. But when you step back and you're like, wow, like, like uh, Bruce Springsteen's going to be standing on this stage, like whatever it may be, or you think, wow, like this machine, like I came up with that. Me and my team, me, me and me and my coworkers, we all figured this out. We made this happen. That part that's sitting on that table looks like that because we decided it was going to. We decided we were going to put that curve at that radius right there. And um, even the small things like that, it's just very cool to see um, ideas come to life. And those ideas being on a really public stage, it's a lot of fun. It truly is. Stepping back and just seeing, yeah make it making taylor swift stage all things like that whatever it may be it's it's very exciting all around amazing. yeah amazing now if you could change one thing about your job or the industry what would that be that one actually is easier i kind of know that one specifically now that i am in the sort of more on the touring side specifically where like not not the touring industry but actually touring i haven't been on the road with the tour but with the tour yet but just like having people in and and seeing the industry um there's a lot of room for growth between um diversity and diverse interests and things like that that it is a it is growing but it's not the most diverse industry and creating opportunities for that i think is something that i know tate is striving for um, and I think a lot of people in the industry are striving for and creating room for that is something that I, I hope is continue. I hope we push for that as we have been more and more so in the future. Yeah, definitely. Everyone looks the same for the most part when you're on tour, when a road crew shows up. Yeah, a lot of people look the same, but hopefully that's changing. Mm, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, Drew, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I guess I think we can all guess what show you're actually working on right now, or we won't <laughs> say what it is, but I'm super jealous. And, yeah, uh, it is a big one. And, uh, and, and I can't wait to see how uh, Tate is integrated into that tour. So, uh, yes. best of luck for that. And um, thank, you, yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Drew, thank you so much. It's great to have you on. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> thank you. Theater at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.